0: Everyone. Welcome to FAA Safety Briefing Live. I'm Paul Prydecker, and once again I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Susan Parson. Hello, Susan. Hi, Paul. We don't always get a chance to do this in the same same place, but sometimes things align to where this works yeah. out for us. So welcome to Wisconsin and, and um, we're anxious to deliver a, another program on the magazine for the July and August issue. Remind our viewers and our audience, what do you do at the FAA? I know, <laughs> I know you're always here to help, but what else? Of
1: course. Yeah. Um, well, I'm the editor-in-chief of FAA Safety Briefing Magazine, but I also write for the director of the flight standard service and various other people who need things written. And I like to say I'm the chief border colleague for the <laughs> aviation sort of, airman certification standards project, the ACS. So um, they, those things kind of keep me busy.
0: I'm sure they do. So let's let's move on. We have a great issue coming up for you, and as always, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do. This is an opportunity for viewers and participants to work to earn their wings and AMT credit for this program. We have a we have a slide up which gives directions on where to click and where to access uh, the various programs to get the credit. However, as we've often said, it's sometimes necessary to actually read the print copy, and how do they? about doing that?
1: Well, if you look on the next slide, there's a direct link to the print copy, and we verified it. It Actually, it's the, the new issue is there. It's available. It's online for you to click and read. Um, we try to make the, the content of the quiz that you take for Wings credit, which is very simple, but we, we try to make sure that uh, we cover most of that material during the, this broadcast. However, um, part of the, the purpose of doing this is to to, to give you a, enough of a taste of the content of the magazine that we hope you'll be eager to go and read the articles, especially with this one and this theme.
0: Well, and with the time frame that we have, we can't quite cover everything in the depth that we have, but it, it's a wonderful magazine to review. It's got a little bit of something for everybody in it. We try. So the, the magazine has a, a more or less standard format of topics that we like to cover. And what what are some of the main topics and the main missions.
1: Oh, we do. Um, we, we want to be the safety policy voice for non-commercial general aviation. And you see on the screen what our goals are, raise awareness, explain safety. And this is one that I think is near and dear to your heart as well as to mine, to encourage continued training because pilots, we, we can never know enough. We can never know too much. And anything that we can do to encourage people to um, our, our fellow pilots and ourselves for that matter, to keep learning and keep trying and keep training is a good thing.
0: Well, in fact, I'm I'm going through that right now, where I, I feel like that. I'm where I feel like I'm in continued training. Um, my background is I've been a instructor pilot at a regional airline for almost 20 years, and I've just decided to um, make a change and go back to becoming a a, a normal pilot. A real what pilot! What, what, a normal pilot, whatever that means. So a normal pilot where I'm doing revenue flights and operating in the system. Um, And I feel like I'm in training mode right now because uh, our operation is either taking me to airports I've never been to before or certainly don't remember. And my flying days are in and out of Chicago. So there are so many things to learn. And I, I feel like that what I'm going through right now, I think, is the same for every pilot in that every flight is an opportunity to learn and there's and there's lessons to learn from doing things right and there's lessons to learn from our mistakes. And that actually gets into what right. this issue is about, about the safety culture and mm-hmm. what a safety culture is. And the timing of this, of course, is geared around Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. The July-August issue will, of course, be all over the uh, FAA safety building and, mm-hmm. and around Oshkosh. And with Everything that Oshkosh brings to it, there are many, many opportunities to discuss um, safety and training, but to develop this idea about what exactly is a safety culture. So what, what will we talk about tonight?
1: Well, uh, safety culture is one of those things. I, I think a lot of people see it as a little bit abstract. you. Um, but but one of the ways you can think about it, you you know when it's there, and you probably know just as well when it's not. But safety culture is, um, is something that, should be the air that we breathe and in and out and how we behave um, constantly. Everything that we do should be framed in terms of, is this the safe thing to do? Is this the right thing to do? And I think it it gets back to that simple cliche, do the right thing regardless of who's looking or not. Sure. Do you always do the right thing? Um, And that's what we want pilots to do always, all of us do because our collective safety depends on it.
0: That's right. So the, the first article is from Rick Domingo on, and it's called Jump Seat, but it the title of it is It Starts With You. So expand on that for us a little bit.
1: Uh, well, it, it, that's exactly right. Um, one of the things that Rick talks about here is that every part of the system depends on everybody else. This is part of the safety culture idea. And that in any complex system, uh, we all depend on each other and that each one of us owes it to everybody else to be the best that you can be. And that means, um, starting with you, one of the, the analogies we use in here is, you know, on, uh, well, you know, very well, especially now the, the briefing that your flight attendants do on the oxygen. Sure. And I, well, I think we can all parrot it pretty well that uh, you should put on your mask before helping others. And it may sound like that's a little bit selfish, but the whole idea is that if you don't take care of yourself, you have no hope of taking care of any, anybody or everybody else. And that is part of the safety culture idea too. You start with, you gotta take care of yourself and your own training and skills and everything else.
0: And the other the other part that's alluded to in, in the jumpsuit article is all of the pieces and parts and everything that goes on behind the scenes to make the mm-hmm. aviation system work. Yep. When I start out flying on the first flight of the day and we, we're, we push back on time I'm not even sure I can imagine everything that has happened behind the scenes to make sure that happens on time. Everything from um, the dispatchers making sure that everything is set up, the ground crew doing their job, the uh, ground personnel getting the bags, not only the bags, but the right bags on the airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flight planning with air traffic control system, and even something as simple as making sure the hotel picks up the crew and gets them to the airport on time. That's really important for you
1: guys. There are
0: so many things that are happening behind the scenes to make it work. But as we'll talk about uh, throughout this issue, when we talk about safety culture, there are opportunities to discuss this as a general aviation single pilot in that you can adopt a safety culture of your own. It doesn't need to be a large organization to support mm-hmm. it. You can support it yourself. So I'm anxious to talk about that, and and even the the part in the column that talks about fitness for duty. Mm-hmm. The the GA equivalent of that, of course, is following perhaps the I'm, mm-hmm. I'm safe, I'm safe right? and some of the other ways to determine that we we are fit for duty, whatever our mission is, whether it's to fly, you know, 30 miles in our in our single-engine aircraft or to take a longer cross-country flight, there has to be an evaluation of uh, fitness for duty. In the airline world, we, in, when we had this in paper, we actually sign a piece of paper that says that we meet these requirements and that we're fit to operate this flight. And we have to do this for every flight. In, our, in the digital world that we're in right now, we can electronically sign that, but every flight we have to verify and attest to the fact that we're fit for duty. And that's the part of the mm-hmm. culture.
1: And that's actually not a bad thing for GA to adapt um, and adopt. But um, yeah, there, there, there's a lot to it.
0: Well, let's take on the first article then. Absolutely. So this is about Culture Club and there's many things implied in that. But one of the issues is that although it starts with you, you're not alone.
1: But that's exactly right. It, uh, we, we're, we're all in this together. We're all in the airspace together. Um, this this article is a bit of a reprise, too, of uh, the FAA's compliance program, which is a foundational part of aviation safety culture as far as the agency is concerned. And this, this is where the focus is on finding the cause and taking effective actions to permanently solve the problem and the compliance program really emphasizes all the things that really are a part of safety culture, communication, collaboration, let's work together and figure out what the problem is and fix it before it causes an accident or incident. And oh, by the way, let's let other people know about it too so that nobody else makes the same mistake.
0: Well, one of the things that it addresses is it, you, you can have an organized safety mm-hmm. culture in, in the Part 121 mm-hmm. world. In fact, we refer to it as SMS, Safety Management mm-hmm. System. But it doesn't mean that the general aviation pilot is excluded from that. And a couple of the strategies that general aviation pilots can use to adopt a safety culture is by adopting standard operating procedures mm-hmm. for their own operation. And by standard operating procedures, most people think of those as something that's needed in a crew environment, but that's not mm-hmm. that's not at all the case as general aviation pilots, we can all adopt our own standard operating procedures to fit our style of flying, Mm -hmm. to fit our aircraft, to fit our, our basic missions. And the, the purpose of them, of course, is so that we do, as you said, we do things the right way every time, no matter what, that we don't let, um, familiarity and complacency Mm -hmm. be our be our enemy actually Uh, a a friend of mine in colorado has a tail lance and i sometimes will go out and do flight reviews for him and it's his own airplane Mm -hmm. he's the only operator of it he's the only one that sees it i'm amazed at how much detail he puts Mm -hmm. into pre-flighting his own airplane it's as though you would think he was a renter unfamiliar with his airplane Mm -hmm. but he treats it the same way every time follows the same pattern. So he's developed a pre-flight mm-hmm. procedure as well as how he sets up his cockpit that is very organized and detailed. Mm-hmm. Because if we have if we have standard operating procedures, if something's not going quite right, we can still do the right thing. And maybe it's because we might be a bit fatigued. Mm-hmm. Perhaps there's a problem on the airplane that we have to deal with in flight, perhaps there's a distraction due to weather or a passenger. But if we have these procedures ingrained in our way of doing things, then we'll do them the right way when things are not going quite perfectly. So it's a it's a good lesson. And you mentioned the part about, you know, mistakes and how the compliance program sort of addresses that. I, I wrote a presentation some years ago um, called Never Ever Waste was a Mistake. A mistake right? M- mistakes are In the purest sense of the form, mistakes can be gifts Mm -hmm. that we can all learn from, or we can learn from ourselves. Um, So I've I've made a point about telling people as much as I can that we should never waste a mistake. We should always um, learn from it, do better from it, and communicate it so that other people can learn from it.
1: Well, and that is a good segue into the the next article, actually. Um, the title of it is Break Rules See a Safety Issue. Mm-hmm. Well, this is this is about not wasting either a mistake that you made or a mistake that you see. Um, I think most people, or I hope most people anyway, are familiar with what you call NASA Forms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the aviation safety reporting system. It's called NASA Forms because uh, NASA is the third-party administrator to make sure that nobody's worried about the FAC confidential mm-hmm. forms. Um, and this is, this is absolutely confidential, but one of the things that I, I think, um, and this article does explain that filing an ASRS or a NASA report will, um, it, it, does have some benefits, um, against the sanction from a, from some, um, uh, event or deviation that's occurred. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think one of the things that we'd really like to convey to people is that this is about don't waste a mistake. Mm-hmm. This is about using it to learn yourself, but it, using it for um, improving the system. I, I have filed several NASA reports over the years, not because I was afraid I was going to get hit by something, but but there were there were I remember a couple of issues where I was flying and I saw something that struck me as being a problem, and so I reported it. And uh, you know, it's it's just about it's about giving back to the system and making sure that. Um everybody has the benefit of the, the information that you have to offer on safety.
0: And the database that's been amassed that's huge. Is, is huge. Yep. And could be bigger. We, of course. Yep. <laughs> and, and we're in a data-driven world yes. where we're trying to mitigate risk by analyzing some of the data that comes from a, a NASA report. In in the Part 121 world, our equivalent is the um, ASAP mm-hmm. program, Aviation Safety Action Program. And the principle is absolutely the same. Um, a crew um, makes a mistake, thinks they made a mistake. Uh, It's a voluntary program. And in exchange for volunteering the information about what happened, um, you are then relieved from Mm -hmm. certificate action, unless of course it was, you know, willful disregard Mm -hmm. for safety. But airlines and the entire industry sees great benefit from programs like this because it's, it's information that's shared, it's accessible, and as you said, um, it's not just for, oh, I think I might have done something, I don't want to mm-hmm. get in trouble. It is a mechanism for reporting um, perceived safety issues. Right. If, if we're taxiing around an airport and we see ridiculous taxiway mm-hmm. signage that seems confusing, we can report that either through a NASA form or our or ASAP else, report. Right. And it'll 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 be seen. Mm-hmm. And the more it's seen, then the more chances it'll have it being addressed. So both both of those are excellent programs. The we've been talking a little bit about, well, what about the single pilot? And what about the, the single pilot? And that's me. The next article is the party of one. Right. So can you have a party?
1: Yeah. Of course <laughs> you can. Um, however, one of the, the things that this article really points out, uh, there, there's a nice little definition because people sometimes say, well, what is safety culture? Well, this, this one has a definition, beliefs, uh, perceptions that employees have in relation to risks that they're operating with. But uh, then it's okay, even if you mostly fly, as it says on the screen, if you mostly fly with a party of one, just you as either as the only pilot on, or the only person on board or the only pilot on board, You are part of the system. This kind of picks up on the point Rick Domingo's article makes Mm -hmm. as well. And you actually do have a huge system at your disposal. I think anybody who's ever declared an emergency or even a distress um, on the radio knows that immediately you have everybody's attention. Um, But the whole idea is use the people around you. Um, Use people who know more than you do. Use people who know more about um, a particular airplane than that you do. applying these are ways that you can stay engaged and i think it's even says you're reading this article um, or reading this magazine is part of it see it say it use every opportunity to train um but but again reach out know what your resources are and don't hesitate to use any of them
0: well and even if you are atc adverse you have no desire to talk when you're flying. You fly out of a non-towered, uncontrolled airport and class G airspace. You're not alone
1: there because, is so some,
0: <laughs> because somebody put fuel in the airplane. Right. Somebody did maintenance inspections on the airplane. And it, it is not just one. You, and as you said, the, the, the system depends on every component mm-hmm. and every person to, to make it safe. So, as we talked about earlier, even though you might be a party of one, you can develop your own procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use them, but there are other people behind the scenes that are making Absolutely. your flight possible. So, it, it's a it's a good concept. And as as we go into EAA and Oshkosh again, there are, there are so many venues and so many opportunities to talk about how we're managing safety and mitigating risk um, at all levels of flying. Absolutely. Um, Our next one uh, deals a little bit about ATSB and uh, one of the things that occurred to me was uh, first of all that this is a bit of a success story which you, you can address but the one thing that occurred to me was that the very technology that we can use in our airplane is part of our safety culture. Well,
1: that's exactly the point that I was hoping that you would draw from that, Indeed. especially <laughs> following uh, following what we talked about. Mm-hmm. The the technology that we have nowadays is definitely part of the safety culture, just as transponders were when they first came in, the mm-hmm. universal use of transponders. But in this case, this is you've got your own transponder right there, or you, you can see you can see a lot of what air traffic control sees. Um, and this, I, I having flown with ADS-B for a while, and uh, my flying club equipped with ADS-B um, or at least a solution that includes ads and I personally don't want to fly without it. But uh, one of the, one of these, uh, th- this article talks about a study and a safety analysis that showed the significant reduction in the risk that, um, is out there for aircraft that are equipped with ADSB because I, I know when you fly in congested airspace, uh, it may look when you're looking out there like nothing else is out there because it can be really hard to see other airplanes. Mm-hmm. But when you see on, uh, your traffic display, how many other little dots are out there,
0: well, last night when I was yeah. coming into O'Hare, I thought I was in a dogfight. I mean, there was, a, there, was it a, a, there were so many things on our traffic display. I thought
1: that's just, what O'Hare was all about.
0: It seems to be, yeah. okay. it seems to be, but this is a very, this is a yeah. an article that really describes a success story It does about how technology has helped. Um, and it, it, like so many other things that have come before it, as you mentioned, transponders, mm-hmm. um, I certainly remember the first Loran and thinking that that was the greatest thing ever. And of course now it's, you know, been replaced by GPS and other technology, but even as we've talked about in previous editions, um, angle of attack indicators, mm-hmm. um, so many things that are um, helping to keep us safe.
1: Well, an evolution is a great, uh, the whole evolution is a great segue, thank you for that, into You're, our next piece. And
0: I don't know, I, I know our viewers can't see this completely, but in the in the back of the room is a Bookcase with some of my selected books, and one of them, of course, is *The Origin of Species* by (laughs) Charles Darwin. So when I saw this article, I thought, "I wonder where this is going." Well,
1: this was this was fun. I I, before I read this one when I was editing, um, this was written by one of our staff members. Uh, I had I confess I'd never heard of Lamarck before. I had no idea who that was, I was like, "Huh, what is this?" Um, Well, it turns out that he had a theory of evolution, and the point that uh, my colleague makes in this article is that Lamarck's theory of evolution, um, while it doesn't explain the origin or development of the species, that it's pretty darn good in explaining um, the evolution of of things like safety culture and human behavior, how humans learn and evolve and develop. And the the four points or the big points out here are things that you can do like community, structure, um, codes of conduct, there are lots of those. And any theory, change is good, especially if it's, well, change is good in the mm-hmm. right direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, that should be up and better.
0: Well, and the other thing I'd like to add to that, or at least elaborate on, is codes of conduct. I mean, yep. you mentioned that there are a lot of them, but there's there's two that I'm quite familiar with. One is um, was written by um, a pilot association mm-hmm. That is a, a code of ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is from um, NAFI, mm-hmm. uh, the National Association of Flight Instructors, and they're just sometimes it's good to go back and read through those as a way to kind of reset mm-hmm. your your thinking about the right way to do things. When I when I think about training, um, so much of our training is is based on sort of higher level concepts. However, none of that would be successful unless we go back to the basics sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, it's why we do recurrent training. It's why we have flight reviews, is to kind of go back to the basics, do things that we haven't had a chance to do in a while and to, you know, knock some rust off and to improve. But the code of conduct or code of ethics that many organizations put out to me are just a wonderful way to frame safety culture. And it can just serve as, reminders of, of what our mission is uh, to be safe.
1: Absolutely. Well, and codes of conduct, I, I want to mention too, when the another set of codes out there, they actually call it a family and it's mentioned in this article, um, the Aviators Code Initiative. If you Google that, you'll come up with, there are now Aviators Code uh, Codes of Conduct for instructors, private and for various levels, including remote pilots. Mm-hmm. And I think they're they're constantly expanding. And the idea is to try to take best of the best, best practices and best safety practices and cultures for different categories and classes and to put it out there for people to use. And, and as much as anything, just to give you something to think about. And as you said, to reset your expectations and your expectations for yourself more than anything else. That's right.
0: That's right. Um. Jason Blair has contributed a nice article about other pilots looking out ah, for yes. you, and it, it's a, um, a well-stated well article about how can other pilots reach out and help their colleagues or pass on advice um, in the right way without being um, critical, but to maybe present information in a way that will have people see things in a different way or to at least take a pause um, so I, I thought this was this was a, a really nice article about how to how to intervene a little bit.
1: Well, it's it's that, but it's uh, the other piece of it is also about how to accept an intervention by another pilot. Um, I think they say in some of the various like ten step or twelve step programs, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge <laughs> that you have a problem. Um, that if p- other pilots are saying things to you, like, gosh, did you look at the windsock or boy, mm-hmm. it's really windy out there today. Or, "Oh, did you look at those clouds? Uh, people, um, one, one of the, the really the points that Jason really makes in this piece is that you may be getting information that is very subtle, but it you really pay attention because if other pilots are making comments to you about, wow, you know, I, am you, you really want to go fly in this? Maybe you need to rethink it.
0: Well, and it goes the other direction, too. Um, as, a, as a flight instructor for a number of years, I've learned that uh, my, my students might be communicating something to me about their own level mm-hmm. of comfort um, that, as instructors, we need to be listening to and to yeah. be paying attention um, to you know, to catch the hints that may not be obvious, but they're subtle, but they're very important. I mean, if a student, you know, says to me, hey, do you want to do this takeoff? I'm OK if you do it. I'm thinking maybe <laughs> I'm thinking maybe he's telling me maybe he's not comfortable doing it because of the conditions or something. Right. And certainly in an in, in instructing environment, mm-hmm. there there's a lot of give and take of information. Um, but just in the friend and colleague environment, there should be some you know, give and take of information. And, and what Jason goes on to explain is um, in addition to you know, discussing whatever the situation is that's got somebody's attention, we should be offering up ways to mitigate the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the benefits of being a general aviation pilot is that we don't necessarily have to go when it's time to go. And mitigating risk can be, th- you know, suggesting things about, you know, managing time, uh, managing weather. Um, one thing that I've noticed too, is that just because you can hit the direct button on your GPS doesn't mean you have to go direct. Or that you should. Or that you should. Right. You could go out of the way a little bit to avoid some weather. Um, and. Giving people the freedom to have those kinds of conversations in a non-threatening way, I think, is, a, is another way of the community helping to build a safety culture.
1: Absolutely. And, and I, I, another one of the takeaways that I hope people get from this article is, so first of all, listen if you start hearing things that suggest that other pilots may be questioning your sanity or your decision. <laughs> But but really take it in a don't take it in a pejorative um, and don't get defensive about it. Really accept the fact that, in we're we're all looking out for each other. And if somebody else cares enough to be looking out for you, well, take it that way. Yeah, for sure. Take it that way for
0: sure. It's it's about being open to learning. Mm-hmm. And as I as I opened up today, I'm every every flight right now is feels like I'm a. You know, a newbie. Well. <laughs> Even though, as an instructor, I know our procedures and profiles and callouts and checklist responses and all of our emergency procedures quite well. Operationally, there's things I just haven't seen are mm-hmm. are done in quite some time. Um, sometimes the hardest part is now that you've landed at the airport, where do we park? You know, <laughs> <laughs> so how do, where do we park? Well, yeah. You know, so sometimes you just need that kind of help too. So.
1: Well, and there's there's plenty of help in the community, which is the subject of our next article.
0: Engaging the aviation community. Absolutely. So it's it's really about um, the purpose of the FAST team, and Absolutely. I'll just borrow a quote out of Go the magazine here. Um, mm-hmm. The mission statement: Improve the nation's aviation accident rate by conveying safety principles and practices through training, outreach, and education while establishing partnerships and encouraging the continual growth of a positive safety culture within the aviation community. It sums up everything we've been talking about, training, communicating, engaging.
1: Um, And working with the community. And this this article talks about some things you probably know about, uh, other things maybe you don't, but we've got the WINGS and AMT programs. Again, you can get WINGS and AMT credit for this uh, course. Seminars and webinars, uh, which is again, something we're doing right here. Um, safety.gov, lots of online resources there. Um, we really want to point out too, social media. A lot of people now um, get a lot of information from social media and- And your
0: your colleague-
1: Absolutely.
0: Paul Cienciola, Cienciola, Cienciola yep. does a marvelous job of social media for the FAA.
1: Uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, we now have a, a group, a safety group, a GA safety group on Facebook that is just uh, about, promoting these kinds of things. Uh, there's local expertise. And then I, I really like this one at the bat at the end to hangar flying. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like hangar flying?
0: Everybody likes it.
1: Everybody likes hangar flying and hangar flying is it's not only fun, but this is, um, this is how pilots can build that sense of community, but truly learn from each other, learn, don't waste a mistake, Mm -hmm. but also learn from the the things that other people who have gone before you have figured out and learn how to do it right. Follow best practices, imitate best practices and so on. Um, The other, the other piece about hangar flying several months ago, I read a book about how human beings are wired for stories. What is hangar flying except there I was.
0: <laughs> on a dark and stormy on night. On a dark
1: and stormy <laughs> night. And we there there are so many stories that most of us can tell um, with relish.
0: For sure. And the other thing too about seminars and webinars is that I would encourage people to consider that you don't always have to be the one listening. You could be the one giving. Yep. All of us, all of us have had some experiences that are worth sharing and worth Absolutely. learning from. And Jumping in and coming up with a a, a seminar uh, at your local airport, um, at a high school, or or any place, uh, even if you feel like you might be a little afraid of public speaking, you're the one that owns the story. Absolutely. Therefore, it's a lot easier to communicate. Pe- people ask me all the time if I mind, you know, doing public speaking, and I always say no, as long as I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if I don't, it's a little bit difficult. But if you, own the sto- if you own the story, uh, you can be on the giving end as, mm-hmm. as well as the the uh, receiving end, which I think is a wonderful opportunity to just do more outreach. Absolutely. You you know these next two people in I our do. in our FAA Faces column. Uh, I know you recently moved to Arizona. And I did. These colleagues are part of that system. Yeah,
1: I was. At, Tina and Ernie are both um, the denizens of my new hometown in the Phoenix area. And by the way, Madison may have uh, cooler temperatures right now, technically, but you guys have evil humidity right now. And bugs. Uh, Yeah, well, (laughs) Phoenix, I would point out, it's like 11% humidity right now, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, Tina and Ernie are, um, I I know them both quite well, and we we wanted to highlight them because I I think one of the, the concepts that they have pioneered in their area, I hope others will follow it too, these guys act as a team. Um, Tina's ops and Ernie's Airworthiness, but they do not they they do seminars together and they act and work together in so many ways simply because they want to make the point that we are all in this together. There's because you're a mechanic or because you're a pilot, you're still in the system and we depend on each other. Mm-hmm. We all know that pilots depend on mechanics and mechanics, Absolutely. Do, well, we, we pilots provide lots of work for mechanics to do. Indeed.
0: Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> so.
1: So anyway, this is a little bit about their their background and uh, they're they're fabulous. They're very active in the Scottsdale FISDO, their whole area of operation. And I've told them that now that I'm out there, if they can use me to do seminars in the future, I'm happy to try to join the team.
0: Well, and, and again, the idea of partnership to to communicate um, um, on both sides mm-hmm. of operations and, and maintenance is an important concept because they do go hand in hand, of course. Yep. So so maybe you'll have a chance to see them more often.
1: Uh, yeah, I have a yeah. chance to do all sorts of things. So. Yeah. Um,
0: drones is a, another part of our um, aviation world that's probably been no other segment of aviation that is developed so quickly absolutely, and That's requires right. um, a lot of thought concerning regulation mm-hmm. and safety. And of course, there's embedded, embedded in all of this discussion is, is there an opportunity for safety culture among the drone community? And the answer, of course, is
1: yes. Um, this is this article is about the, the fact that so, so there are two sides to certainly every story and certainly to this one. The, one of the things that um, traditional pilots need to do and understand is that remote pilots are pilots and that we need to be welcoming and to really enthusiastically welcome this new segment into the community, because anything that expands aviation is good for us all. Mm -hmm. And we need to reach out to our partners and our colleagues now, fellow pilots in the remote pilot community, and try to help them understand how some of the things that we take for granted work. And the article talks a lot about how some of the things that the FAA in particular is doing partnering with major organizations and going out and doing these seminars and it really engaging with the community to try to help, um, integrate. It's helped with the integration on both sides, really mm-hmm. the man pilots and remote pilots and make sure that we are all, uh, working and playing well together and safely.
0: Well, when you think of the uses of drones, um, they're often, so over, <laughs> often over, there's often overpopulated areas. Yes. Uh, the, our our local news station here in Madison has um, I think they call it Sky Drone, yeah, um, which they use to cover certain events. Um, so when you think about drone, it's not just one person who might have it out in the field doing it by himself. It, the applications are widespread, and an important part of the the certainly an important part of the industry in the community. However, there are safety issues that um we need to address and need to develop and need to manage.
1: and just again to understand that we we are a large community and um there are tech, th- this is a new segment of our community and there will be other new segments of our community that we can't even manage imagine yet sure but we need to be welcoming and to bring everybody into the idea that we are all in this together we are a safety community. When we've been talking a lot about
0: safety culture, and we've also been talking about how we are able to use data from a mm-hmm. variety of programs. Uh, I mentioned the ASAP program. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the, the NASA and the ASRS program. There are other voluntary safety programs that are you know, part of this. There's just sometimes the sharing of information. But then now that you have data we have to do something with it. (laughs) And that gets into the next issue about how do we actually measure safety culture? And sometimes I think organizations are are rich in data but poor on information. And uh, your colleague, Tom Hoffman, addresses this a little bit.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, they're they're actually researchers. Researchers will study all sorts of things that you never imagined were even studyable, if that's a word. Uh, It is now. It is now. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, but yeah, there there are there's a team of researchers that has developed a study to try to look at what is a safety culture. And uh, they've got teams and sub-teams. And I'll let you read the article to figure out how it's going. But one of the things that they're that at the end where they talk about the question going forward is how to find people who don't have a safety culture and encourage them to to join the fold, I, mean, mm-hmm. I, th- I think this has been the age-old question. A lot of ways, uh, you you have people who believe and they come to events and seminars, and how do you reach the unreachable? And this study is aimed at trying to define what is and isn't, and how better ways that we can do that.
0: And implied in this too a little bit is um, in compliance. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we all are looking for ways to do things correct. I mean, that's what safety culture is all about, is building a culture where you're going to, as we've said, do the right thing every time, all the time, mm-hmm. no matter what. But sometimes we slip mm-hmm. and sometimes there's intentional versus, you know, non-intentional mm-hmm. um, compliance issues. And finding a way to capture data is just another way of helping us understand how do we get everything into this right. one package that's right and it's not an easy task but collecting the data and not being able to move forward and do something with it is would be a shame so I'm glad to see that out of all the data that's being collected there's people who can devote their time and effort to help help move things forward and move initiatives forward and
1: figure out what it means yeah
0: yeah important. Our uh, issue on vertical speaking uh, devoted to helicopters um, is information that I, I guess I didn't know that much about. I mean, I know what an AD is because I read about them on our own aircraft frequently. And I know what an NPRM is, Notice of Proposed Rulemaking. What I didn't understand until I read this article, uh, Vertically Speaking, is they interrelationships. So could you sure. frame oh. that? Discussion a little bit.
1: Airworthiness directives are actually part of a rulemaking process, which is pretty complicated. Um, it, it is a legal document, there are particular um, processes that have to be followed. Um, so, w- the point that this article is making is that the FAA publishes proposed airworthiness directives as notices of proposed rulemaking. And it stresses that we want to hear from people especially at that stage, because while it's a notice of proposed rulemaking, it's much, much easier to bring in other issues and to make changes if necessary than after the final rule has taken effect because it, it has a maybe a higher threshold for to get changes. So if you're looking to have something changed or to have some influence, the stress point here is that the notice of proposed rulemaking is the stage to do it because... That's the, the way that the entire rulemaking structure is set up is to get public comment. And by the way, if your comments are made through a public docket and a notice of proposed rulemaking just as it's proposed as it's shown here, then what's you know, what's going to happen is that that comment will have to be dispositioned. it will be taken into account and, and specifically mm-hmm. accounted for in the way that the final rule is developed.
0: And where do we find these things?
1: Um, Well, the notices of proposed rulemaking are in the Federal Register. There are, um, I think there are some links in the article, but if you just Google Federal Register, I actually know people, um, particularly in some of the advocacy associations who, uh, I think I'm sort of amazed that they stay up until strange hours (laughs) of the night to see the first copy of the next day's Federal Register. I'm not one of those, but I'm glad there are people who do. But, but the point is,
0: if there's an issue affecting uh, um, your aircraft, your operation, something significant to your particular um, realm of aviation, it's better to make a comment at the NPRM stage. Absolutely.
1: Yes, you'll have a better chance of, of having influence in there.
0: Okay. Our maintenance section, um, nuts, bolts, and electrons, this time, it, it again, it addresses really the uh, collection of data but also the reporting mechanism to to get the data um, this article talks about SDRs and um, which are service difficulty reports and also talks about the reporting system and it covers everything from uh, suspecting unapproved parts to anything that's service related that the maintenance personnel feels like needs to be reported and dealt with. And again, it's another way of establishing a database mm-hmm. and an essential part of the safety culture.
1: It is. Um, and it's it's about if you see something, say something, don't just throw up your hands or, and complain about it. Try to share the information that you have, because um, information that you have in one place and if you share it through the appropriate channels, it allows the people who are in a position to do something about it, to say, Hey, wait a minute, we're seeing that in different places. We need to look systematically at this. It's not just a one-off thing. Sure. So, sure.
0: So the next article is, um, is yours. It's It's under the the column of checklist. And I sense by the way you wrote it, that you had a little bit of fun doing it. I
1: did. (laughs) I did. I always try to have fun (laughs) when I write, but sometimes it's easier than other times. No, um, So uh, there's a reason they call that blinking thing on the screen the cursor.
0: I'm sure. (laughs)
1: Um, There are times when I'm really trying to figure out how I want to approach a topic, or what to do, and staring at a blank screen. Well, I I also tend to do Google searches and things like that. And and I I came across, of all things, an agricultural, uh, a brochure that the FAST team developed for agricultural operators. And as I write in this article, I was ready to just move on because, hey, how could that possibly be helpful? Mm -hmm. And I discovered that actually it is. And I I hope you'll read the article to find out how. But what I I ended up doing to summarize it was uh, I I drew an analogy here between farmers, which is funny for me to do because I don't like dirt. Yeah. Um, We know that. But you
0: are in farm country here.
1: I know that. but between farming and um, and safety culture and it's it's the things that you see here pick what you plant weed it and water it it's easier to weed things uh, weed out bad habits or weed small. out weeds when they're yeah. small yeah. and oh you have to water it because uh, knowledge and training will wither if you don't give them fresh infusions just like plants will wither mm-hmm. Uh, measure to manage, and I quoted you because you taught me the knee-high, what is it, knee-high, yeah, the fourth, fourth of July, July about form. the whole corn thing? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, that wasn't original.
0: That's well-known, actually.
1: I know, but yeah. you taught me. I, I didn't know. <laughs> so the the how do you measure what you're doing? Because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, is the way the saying goes. And then finally, share the wealth. Um, I, I use a, a very personal analogy. My, my dad grew tomatoes. He, loved, he, he grew wonderful tomatoes, actually and I had to weed them and water them when I was a kid. And uh, the last piece was about sharing the wealth that we need to, we need, just as my dad shared his crops uh, wherever he could, we need to share our knowledge and experience and contribute, That's, that's really part of safety promotion, which is a huge part of safety culture. So when I drafted this article, I, I had done a background of a tomato plant, but oh. <laughs> I took it out because it was too hard to read the article. I wanted you to read the words.
0: Well, they're good words.
1: Okay. They're good words. And, and,
0: and, and part of it too is the idea about um, your comment about it's easier to fix habits yep. when they, when they're small habits and they don't become ingrained in your, mm-hmm. we, we don't want bad habits to become ingrained in your own safety, Um, our standard operating procedures and some of the ways of mitigating that is by sharing information going back Mm -hmm. to what we talked about about how other pilots can help other pilots
1: exactly and
0: discussing um kind of sometimes we have to do a control the weed on ourselves (laughs) to kind of start fresh and say okay um i've not been doing this the way i would like to do it i'm going to start over yep so i I get the habit thing um and it's easy to develop habits that we're not how we were taught, but it's also easy to undo
1: that. And so, it's easier yeah. to undo it at the earliest stage than later on. Sure.
0: Our uh, two medical topics, condition inspection, the, the first one deals with, of course, a very um, serious, but also treatable situation of melanoma, which is um, an aggressive form of skin cancer. And it's a very, it's a pertinent topic for pilots to pay attention to um, regardless of what you're flying and how you're flying um, we need to manage that and be careful um, because it is one of the more um, aggressive skin cancers there certainly treatable through surgery and sometimes other follow-up treatment Um, the article lists the um, key signs and mm-hmm. indicators mm-hmm. that we should be aware of in terms of the, the, the color of, of um, a, a spot or a lesion, uh, the shape of it, whether it's um, evolved in a fairly mm-hmm. short amount of time, uh, if it's asymmetrical, if there's been changes to it. And those are all important things um, to pay attention to. But the main part of this is, is as in so many other things, early detection is a, is a better way to manage it
1: and prevention is better still. And that's something sure. we we really thought that this was an appropriate thing to include um, at this time of the year, because it's the summer. This is when people are going to be out in the sun. And those of us who are going to Oshkosh are going to be out in the of sun a lot. Um, now that I'm in Arizona, I'm very, mm-hmm. uh, I'm very conscious of sun protection and waste that I wasn't before. So these are just things that whether pilots or no pilot, whether you're a pilot or whether you're not a pilot, these are things that you need to be aware of and you can do a lot to prevent it in the first place.
0: And perhaps it's no surprise, but in the, in the airline world and in the business aviation world where uh, pilots are flying how, higher altitude aircraft, mm-hmm. It is a concern because of the long-term exposure mm-hmm. to UV effects. Yep. So it's it's a good article. And as you said, it's a timely one. And, and the next article, part of the air medical um, information is about dr- getting drugs approved and taking medication. And um, Dr. Berry makes um, several good points. One is, is that just because a medication might be approved doesn't mean you can operate an aircraft while you're taking it. So you need to speak with Amy about that to make sure. And then the other question is, how do drugs get on the approved FAA list. And can you?
1: They tend to use yes. the term accepted because it's the FDA that actually approves the medication. Um, the FAA accepts it for aviation purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, start And the process, that process doesn't even start until a year after it's been on the market, because no mm-hmm. matter how many research studies there have been done, things crop up usually when it gets into the broader market into use. Sure. Um, there's also the whole idea that you need to look at how it might interfere, how it might behave at higher altitudes and in some of the, well, in the flying environment. So, I, I learned a few things from this article, and I hope you will, too.
0: Have a look. It's got good information. The The next one is post-flight, and as we have discussed before, we usually start this issue out with the jump seat column, and mm-hmm. it typically ends with a post-flight. and I. The post light is is your article about um, doing a little bit of rebalancing. So,
1: well, yeah, what did you do? Um, well, I moved. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, that would
0: unbalance me actually if I had
1: to move. It did me for a <laughs> while well, too. No, for a variety of reasons, I, I kind of I came to a point where, uh, as I say in the article, sometimes the universe speaks loudly, and it has to speak more loudly if you weren't paying attention. But the universe does have a way of getting your attention. It got mine. I realized that there were some changes that I needed to make in life, the universe, and everything. So, so that's what I did, and that's had some uh, mostly positive effects. But I write there very honestly about it's It's been a wrenching thing to leave my flying club mm-hmm. um, and to be looking to something else that I don't know quite what it is yet. But I know that the the move that I made was a healthier thing. and it, the, this piece kind of matches up with what Rick Domingo wrote in the front. You, you've got to you've got to take care of yourself. And I, you know we talk about our culture is very much a more, better, higher, faster. And we need to kind of figure out when is enough. I don't think we have a good sense of that. So I kind of, I ended the piece with a quote from, uh, from a, a new pop music song where the title of it is Me, but it says, you're the only one of you, uh, so take good care of you.
0: It, it's good advice, right?
1: It, it is good advice. And I, I've given myself, a, I've decided that I'm giving myself a year before I take on any new extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. So, you well, know, hold and, me to that.
0: Well, and like you, I did a little bit of rebalancing myself recently mm-hmm. as, as we started out this um, this broadcast. I've been training and teaching for the past about 19 and a half years, and uh, just recently made the decision to, to go back and and fly the line as a line pilot, and it, it comes with some, some pluses and minuses mm-hmm. um, that causes me to, you know, just evaluate what's important and
1: what sparks joy,
0: what sparks joy. Yeah. Um, but when I uh, met you at the airport last night, I remember you said, you know, how'd your day go? And I said, well, it's up and down <laughs> literally. <laughs> as a normal pilot. should They should be right. So and the up
1: should manage the downs should manage the ups, that, I think is the way it's supposed to I go. I think so. Yeah. Uh,
0: the, the news article is ATIS. uh, It's just a summary of, of, um, contemporary news uh, that's happening right now. Um, there's a, several things in here that caught my attention. One was that the um, HIWAS broadcasts are, are going away, going away after s- so much time, but it's s- certainly because of the distribution of uh, weather information and the, it's access- yeah. the accessibility. The
1: evolution.
0: Yes, and the, ac- evolution. the accessibility through ADSP for example, and other things is so much better. Um tell us what's going on with the ADSB re- rebates.
1: So yeah, I was gonna point out that that blurb. Uh ADSB rebates are gone, but this little blurb describes the fact that if somebody has a rebate, has claimed a rebate and was unable to use it, um, uh, the FA has a process for essentially collecting them and redistributing them. So if you missed out, or you think you missed out, there still might be an opportunity. So don't hesitate. keep keep a lookout for that. And uh, now moving on, the yep. next one's exciting.
0: It is. It's the Gen- the National General Aviation Award honorees. Um, first, tell us about the program.
1: Well, every year, um, the FAA and industry. This is an industry committee. Get together and look at uh, candidates for Flight Instructor of the Year. Um, Mechanics, uh, Aviation uh, Maintenance Technician mm-hmm. of the Year, or Aviation Technician, I think is the official title, and then FA Safety Team Representative of the Year. I, I believe there's a WINGS program that they recently did, so you can look for that. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to Oshkosh, you'll have an opportunity to meet them and uh, hopefully to attend the awards ceremony, the official awards ceremony.
0: Yeah, it's exciting, and our congratulations to these individuals. The uh, Aviation Technician of the Year is uh, John David Monty. Mm-hmm. Uh, who makes his home in Nevada. Uh, National Certificated Flight Instructor of the Year is Gary Dale Reeves, mm-hmm. of Decatur, Texas. And I'm um, proud to recognize Karen Ann Kalashek. Uh, Karen and I are colleagues and friends. I work with her on the NAFI um, Board of Directors. Uh, Karen is really involved in promoting aviation safety in, so right. ma- in so many aspects. So congratulations to all three of you. and. and and um, it's it, you know it's an honor to see that you get these awards, and as you said, we will have a chance to meet the people when we go to uh, Oshkosh. So, some of our, our wrap up, um, if we want to. Tell people where to find uh, FAA safety briefing. This is the standard list. What mm-hmm. are what are some of the mechanisms? Uh,
1: free download, uh, mobile-friendly formats, mm-hmm. email notifications. You can see it here, and of course, you can follow us on social media. See uh, a lot of our articles start to appear in Adobe Spark format. All we're we're intending for everything to be mobile-friendly because that's how we all live. And
0: the old-fashioned way is in print, oh, yeah. of course. Yeah,
1: right. And you can subscribe. it's
0: it's often. Um, teach it at, in airports and FBOs, um, at FAA safety seminars. So you can plenty get, get Plenty at of copies the safety center. Yep. yep. Our next slide is a, um, looks like a memorial of, <laughs> of, of, of past issues.
1: Well, this is, I, I have fun doing this one every year, m- month because uh, it, it actually reminds me a little bit. Uh, our issues, uh, the page that we just showed you, uh, there was an archive. so. Uh, we aim for our issues to be what one of my colleagues calls shelf stable. We're looking mm-hmm. for topics and focus that are going to be relevant for a while. And hopefully we, you can use them as references. So go back if you're looking for a topic or a focus. Um, chances are pretty good we've covered things somehow.
0: It's, it's a great reference material. And um, I often go back on the Web and click through the issues mm-hmm. to see something that I may have may have missed. So good. Um, there's always mechanisms to provide feedback. Yes, I know that you, you're you anxious to have feedback from the user group. And how, how will somebody do that?
1: Well, we have a flight forum. That's where we publicly answer questions, but you can also give us feedback. You can use the QR code to come straight to our mailbox, which is shown there, safety Briefing at fa.gov. And you can engage with us on Twitter and Facebook. We do have our own Twitter stream and we do respond. Uh, we... Mm-hmm. we follow that and monitor that really closely.
0: Very good. Well, it about wraps up this issue, but the, the next issue, of course, I'm, I'm always intrigued by the design people at, at your magazine, uh, the September and October issue. What's up with the lights?
1: So I put that on there because I thought that was fun. Uh, the the theme, the topic for September, October is handling emergencies, okay. which includes preventing them wherever possible because that's the best way to handle one of all. But I also wanna give you a little bit of a teaser. We are freshening the design and the format of the magazine. So September, October should be the debut for that. We're gonna be mm-hmm. previewing a little bit of it at Oshkosh. We've got a okay. mock-up of the new cover. So next time you see Safety Briefing live, we'll have, um, we'll be spiffed up with a new format too.
0: We'll look forward to it. I was happy, I'm happy with the current issue, but I'll look forward to the evolution.
1: Everything (laughs) needs to evolve.
0: (laughs) That's right. Uh, Once again, folks, to get uh, WINGS or AMT credit, we have a a slide uh, with links to how to get your WINGS or AMT credit. And uh, a reminder that to get through uh, those questions, uh, you'll need to print copy.
1: Ideally, yes. Mm-hmm. And certainly we hope that we've given you, just like I said earlier, enough of a, of an incentive and a teaser that you might want to go and look at some of them more carefully and closely than we're able to do in just an hour.
0: Okay. Well, we'll see everybody in September. And I look forward to it. Thanks so much for being part of the program and be
1: safe. Have a good evening.